this morning. Let's stand and turn to the text. The text for this morning's message will be John chapter 21. John chapter 21. John chapter 21, we're going to be reading verse 1 through verse 14. John 21, beginning in verse 1 down through verse 14. The Bible says in verse 1 of John chapter 21, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas, called Didymus, and Nathanael of Cana and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a-fishing. And they say unto him, We also go with thee. And they went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew that it was not Jesus, or knew not that it was Jesus. Verse 5, Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? And they answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and he cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. And as soon as they were come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, the fish laid thereon, and bread. And Jesus saith unto him, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. And Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land full of great fishes, a hundred and fifty-three And for all there were so many, yet not was the net broken. And Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples dared ask him, Who art thou? Knowing it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. And this is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. Let's pray. Father, ask your blessing now on this sermon. Give me the words to say, the words that will be helpful. Help us to... See the truth with our spiritual eyes, that you would take the distractions out of our mind, open our hearts, open our ears this morning to your word, and do the work that only you can do. I thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen. So, this morning we're going to finish up our series in April. We'll be back to Romans next week, but I want to finish our series up in April with one more sermon focused on the resurrection and why it matters so much. And, you know, we have a tendency to, to kind of shut things off once they pass. Like, oh, this is another Easter sermon. Wasn't that last week? Aren't we supposed to be done with that? Well, the little box on the calendar that said Easter might be passed. But the reason Easter is so special and it carries over to every day and even forever is because it's Resurrection Day, because we serve a risen Savior. And that is something we proclaim each and every week. Jesus lives. He has the victory over sin and death. And so we can't just relegate it to one time of the year. No, we need to keep talking about it and what that means for us. And that's the thought that I want to kind of end the series with. Why does it matter? Well, it's not just for Easter. It's not just for one day. It's for every day. It means something for our every day. And 
let me just kind of let you into to my head and what I was thinking, where the sermon kind of comes from. I'm pretty sure I can explain like the past week and a half for you, if it's anything like it has been for me. Easter's coming, so you got this push up to Easter. You got all the preparations, getting ready for it. You're inviting people left and right and praying for them and, you know, super excited that they're going to come because that's like the biggest day, right, for the church, Easter Sunday. You got all this preparation and all this praying, and then Easter is here, and it was wonderful, and we're filled with joy, and we had wonderful food, wonderful fellowship, all that went with it. It was just a, a great day and a great time. And then Monday came. Maybe some of that joy went with you to the next day. Maybe some people asked, how did the services go? Or asked you what you did and you told some people. But by probably like 9 or 10, everything hit hit the fan and you were really busy with stuff at work, right? And you kind of forgot about Easter. You were too busy with other stuff. That reason that we celebrated wasn't really on your mind and then Tuesday came and it was the same thing and Wednesday and Thursday and until that Sunday seemed so far off you're just trying to get through to the next Sunday it's kind of what happens doesn't it and I want to say that all of that is one of the greatest struggles of the Christian life it's really hard to stay focused sometimes on him It's almost as if we like live in two worlds. We've got the Sunday us and the weekday us. And sometimes there's a failure to to bring the two together. And we, we fail at times to bring our faith into the everyday so that it's vibrant and strong and evident. What we need to do is bring 9.30 Sunday to the 9 to 5 world. What we do here needs to be who we are everywhere else, because it is who we are. And see, everything that the resurrection means and all that it brings, when it speaks to us about salvation and eternal life and and Jesus working in our lives, that, that is not just for one day of the year, but for every day of the year, right? Jesus gives us guidance. Jesus gives us power and peace and provision in each and every day of our lives, not just on a Sunday. He gives us strength in our everyday struggles. He knows the things that we face. Sometimes we forget and sometimes we need to be reminded of that. And that's what I see here in in this text. As I was reading over different portions of Scripture to preach, this one just resonated with me because I find myself here so often. Because the same things we face... The disciples face too. They're human just like us. They tripped up and messed up and made mistakes just like we do. So I think we have a lot to learn. I just want to pull a couple things from this passage. I want you to notice first what they had seen. There in verse 1 and verse 2. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. That's the Sea of Galilee. It should be familiar if you've read over Scripture There's a place that they had seen many miracles. They had seen Jesus calm the Sea of Galilee. Remember when the storm is going and He says, Peace, be still. This is on the Sea of Galilee. They'd seen Him walk on it like nobody else could. So they're here at a place that was familiar to them. There's six of them gathered. It lists the names in verse 2. But it's that phrase, after these things, that I want to draw your attention to. Well, After what things? 
After these things, this, this, this thing takes place. Turn back maybe a page or so in your Bible to chapter 20 and verse 19. Here's what had happened previously. Verse 19, then the same day at evening, this is talking about resurrection day, the same day that Christ had risen, that same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be to you. And when he had so said, he showed them his hands and his side, and then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Listen, there, that same night, they're gathered in a place, the doors are locked because they're scared that the Jews are going to come after them and do what they, to them what they did to Jesus. And Jesus doesn't need to use a door. He comes through the door. All of a sudden, He's there. Peace. <laughs> of course, like any natural human reaction, they say, ah, it's a ghost. And Jesus had, has to say to them, hey, spirits don't have flesh and blood. Here, touch my hands, touch my side. Give me a piece of fish. Give me something to eat. It's me, guys. They saw that. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? It's really Him. He's alive. This is not some vision or some hallucination. It's Jesus. He's here. He's alive. It says they were very glad when they saw Him. Well, I would be too, wouldn't you? Then He says something to them in verse 21. Jesus said to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, so send I you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. This is a sending that he gives. I'm sending you just the same as my Father sent me. Here, here's a down payment. Here's authority. And he says, breathed on him, receive the Holy Ghost. Now the Holy Ghost would come in power on Pentecost, but this is a giving of his authority. I'm, I'm sending you out. Amazing things to see, right? Then we have doubting Thomas. That's the rest of chapter 19 there. Thomas says, I, well, I wasn't there. I don't believe. I won't believe it till I see it. Then Jesus comes in. Hey, put your, put your hands in the, put your finger in the prints in my hands and the hole in my side. Thomas doesn't have to do it. He just says, my Lord, my God. Amazing story. Amazing things to see. Look in verse 30. Of chapter 20, and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Many other signs. This is the these things John is referencing in, in the beginning of chapter one. After seeing all of this, this happens. Yeah. They had seen so much of Jesus. They had experienced so much of Jesus, enough to, for them to know who He was, to know His power, to know His love. And beloved, so have we. You understand that? We have seen so much of Jesus. We have experienced so much of His love, so much of His grace, so much of the peace that He gives. Time after time, you can look back in your life and see how Jesus has delivered you. He's brought you through, hasn't He? We have seen for ourselves with the eyes of faith, because we walk by faith, not by sight. We've seen with the eyes of faith the very same thing the disciples have. We have the same sending. 
We have the completed Word of God. We have much. Jesus has given us much, has He not? There's enough here to strengthen us, to solidify our faith, so that we can walk steadfast and sure in what He asks us to do. The disciples had seen that. And it must have been wonderful to to see with your eyes these things. But I think there's a question left hanging in their minds. Okay, what do we do now? I, I don't know the time frame between the resurrection day and what happens here in John chapter 21. Maybe it's a, a couple days. Maybe it's a couple weeks. But I do want you to notice secondly what they choose to do. Verse 3, chapter 21 and verse 3. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. And they say unto him, We also go with thee. And they went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. Peter just out of the blue says, Well, I'm going fishing. <laughs> he says, He says it because he's a leader, other people's follow, and they're actually do it pretty quick. That sounds good, and it says immediately they get in a boat and go. This is not recreational fishing like sitting by a stream and or a lake and fishing like I would like to do. No. This is vocational. They're going back to the job they had before they were called. They're going back to business. And many people say different things that like this is another denial or Peter's just saying, you know, pooey on this, I'm out of here. That's not what he's doing. I think this is human nature is what it is. Maybe they didn't know what to do next or maybe they got distracted or Maybe they got scared. Whatever it is, I know that the draw that is there for Peter and the disciples is the same draw and tendency that it's here for us today. It's really easy to fall back into the hustle of everyday life, isn't it? To get caught up in whatever we got to do and the schedule that we have and to just go along with that flow. And it kind of gets us sidetracked from more important things, doesn't it? I'm not saying our jobs aren't important. I'm not saying the family and the home is not important. No, they are. But there is a tendency for us to just get caught up in these things and get sidetracked and kind of forget all that we have seen of Jesus and all that we know of Jesus and all that He's done for us. It's not that our faith is gone. It's just kind of sectioned off and put in a quarter and then it's on hold until church the next time. Then we pick it up and we go back in and then we're praising and all that. Then we set it down and we go back into our lives. That's a struggle, isn't it? And it's easy to kind of fall into the attitude that goes with that. I think if we're honest, this is one of the places we can truly be ourselves. At least we should be, right? I'm not afraid to share my shortcomings. I'm not afraid to share my struggles. I'm not afraid to weep. I'm not afraid to talk freely about the things that I believe. and That's good. That's what it should be. But sometimes when we go into the world, that's not the case, right? We're a little bit more guarded. Sometimes, sometimes we're totally different. We say things in the world and in the presence of others that should never come out of our mouth. We talk about things or get engaged in conversations we we shouldn't be. 
You know, I've heard this phrase over my time in church. Well, this Sunday was a great day. Now it's back to the real world. This church thing was fun for a while, but now I've got to get back to real life. The real world? Real life? This is real. The things that we speak about are eternal things. You might have a job for, oh, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 years. But you need to know Christ as your Savior forever because it matters forever. We might make X amount of dollars over our lifetime, but there are eternal rewards that wait for us. Rewards that we can either attain to or rewards that we can miss out on. It depends what we do here and now. And if we don't view this as the real world and the real life that waits for us, well, we're going to be selling ourselves short, aren't we? What we do here shouldn't be contained to just a few hours each week, but vibrant in our lives. You ever met people like that? That you know in an instant they love the Lord. That their heart is captivated by Jesus. That they're serving Him with all that they are. I met a couple people like that yesterday as we were out knocking doors. The door opens and man, it's just like a breath of fresh air. Oh, praise God, I'm glad to see you. One gentleman asked us in and was just such a, um, had a, such a sweet spirit and prayed with us. Man, that is, that is like a breath of fresh air when that happens. I want to be that in the world. I want people to come into my presence and know immediately there's something different about him. He loves Jesus. He loves the Lord. Rather than getting caught up, which is easy to do, just getting caught up in what I have to do, how about in what I'm doing, I am proclaiming and, and uh, just putting off Jesus. People can see him and hear him in me. That's what we want to do, right? Well, sometimes that's a struggle, isn't it? Sometimes it's easy just to say, well, i got to go fishing. And kind of shut everything spiritual off and just go through the motions. That's, how, that's not how it should be. I don't know exactly what Peter's motivation was here, but I do have one question. Not only for him, but for all the disciples that followed. Did they forget what Jesus said to them? As the Father hath sent me, so send I you. Did they forget that they were sent out to the outside world? And have we forgot that today? We are sent to bear the message of the gospel. We are sent with the message Jesus saves to a sin-sick and lost world. People that are lost in their sins, facing eternal judgment from God. We are sent with the message Jesus loves you and died for you on, on the cross and He wants to save you. We are sent with that message, but sometimes that message is not what comes out, is it? You see, you have in your life a very special and a very unique mission field. You understand that? You see people I may never meet, just as I see people you may never meet. You have a chance, like only you have, to witness to them. People that you come in contact and the circles that, of people that you are around, you have a place to, to witness and to minister to them like nobody else does. And you are sent by Christ to do that. And those people that you see, well, do they see the real you? 
Or do they see one who is quick to say, I'm going fishing? Do we place our faith on a shelf to be picked up the next time church comes around? Or is it just in us and coming out of us and people see it? We are sent to be fishers of men. Isn't that what the call is? To bring them to Jesus. To tell them about Jesus. To tell them about the church. And all that we know and all that we've seen, we are to bring our faith with us wherever we go. And the disciples here needed to be reminded of some things just like we do. So let's look for our last point at what they needed to be reminded of. First thing that the disciples need to be reminded of and the same thing we need to be reminded of is Jesus is not gone. He's here and He's watching. Look in verse 4. When the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. You understand this morning that Jesus knows what you're going through? Life may be going easy. Life may be going smooth. Or you might be facing small struggles. You might be facing big struggles. None of it is outside the watchful eye of Christ. He knows. He sees. He's watching. He sees our struggles. He sees the trouble we have in our jobs. Maybe even the trouble that we have at home. He sees all of it. And He is not far off and disconnected and as if He's unreachable. No, He's concerned, He's close, and He's watching. Jesus was on the shore watching their struggle. Didn't it say they, they tried all night and they caught nothing? He's watching to see how we handle things. He's watching to see what we do and what we might say. Even if we don't know it at times. We mentioned this morning in class, sometimes we can get to a point, if we're true in our hearts with our, with our own self, we can get to a point where we say, God, don't you see? Don't you see what's happening? Don't you see what we're going through? Or don't you see what the, the struggle is in my own heart, Lord? What's going on? Don't you see? He sees. He's watching. He never takes our eye off, it, off of us, even if we don't know it, even if we don't think about it. And yes, beloved, even if we try to hide it sometimes. He's watching. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews in chapter 4 says this, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. He sees everything. He sees past our, our facades that we put up. He sees down to our heart. He sees the struggles. He sees the good. He sees the bad. He sees all of it. He knows that he sees and he knows the times we do good. He sees and knows the times that we fail. And perhaps if we realized our Savior who is alive is watching us, maybe we would be a bit quicker to be faithful, right? It's not like you clock into your job and Jesus clocks off his job. <laughs> He's there. Or you go home from church and Jesus sits down in a recliner and, well, they're good for a while. No, He's there. All the time, He's watching us. Watching over us. Seeing how we handle ourselves. Maybe if we thought about that a little bit more, it'd be a little bit more on our minds, right? They needed to be reminded He's watching. They also needed to be reminded, number two, that He provides. Not only is He watching, but He provides. Look in verse 5. Then Jesus saith unto him, Children, have ye any meat? 
They answered, No. He said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. They cast, therefore, and now they were not able to draw the net in for the multitude of fishes. Can you imagine what that scene must have looked like? Hey, you guys catch anything? Well, I don't know if you've ever been fishing. You get those people that walk up and down. And usually it always irritates me because, no, people on the side of me have caught five or six fish and maybe over here, and I'm usually catching nothing. Catch anything? No, thanks. Thanks for asking. This guy's standing on the store. On the sh- they don't know who he is. It's Jesus. But this guy's standing on the shore. They've been trying all night and... Hey, you catch anything? Nope. Well, try the other side of the ship. Who is this guy? Hey, you guys who are professional fishermen, who know all the ins and outs of fishing, um, no catch? Mind you, try the other side. Like they hadn't thought about that. All right, let's give it a shot. And when they do, that, those fish jumped into the net, 153 of them, just like Jesus told the fish to get in the net. You understand? Jesus provided this catch. How about you cast where I tell you to cast? How about you follow my instructions? The minute they do, they are provided for. Now by His provision, they had everything they needed, even after all night of toil. One command from Jesus, and it's taken care of, isn't it? You see, beloved, He is the one who provides for us. All that we have in our lives is provided by the gracious, merciful, loving hand of God. And He may allow us to even struggle until we learn that. I don't know how Jesus, how long Jesus was on the shore here, but I get the, the, the impression it was all night. And He watched Him all night struggle and struggle and struggle until finally He steps in, hey guys, why don't you try this? He may allow us to struggle for, for some things until we learn to have faith in Him and depend on Him like we should. Because those failures that we have teach us faith. You ever gone through something hard in your life and you come through the other side stronger in your faith because you've learned to depend on Jesus? Those failures, even failures that might be under His watch, they teach us to have faith in Him. They teach us to depend on Him. To have faith that Jesus is our provider. Not only has He given us eternal life by His death on the cross and His victory over sin by rising from the dead, but He also gives us what we need here and now. It's not like Jesus only provides spiritual things. I got all this covered. No, it's all from God. It's all from God. It's not two separate parts of life. It's all under His watch, all under His provision. It's God who gives us. And yes, we work hard for it, don't we? I think everybody here works hard to to earn the money that we do, and that's a good and noble thing. But understand who's providing that for you, who gave you that job, who gives you those provisions. It's from God's hand. We should trust Him in it, serve Him in it, right? If God has given me this job, maybe I need to serve God in the job, right? Proclaim and praise Him for it. And by the way, just in case you know, Jesus didn't need the fish. In verse 10, they show up on the shore. What's already on the barbecue? A fish. He's teaching them to depend on it, on Him. So this happens. They get this net so full of fish they can't draw it in. And it's at that point that their eyes open and it sinks in. Verse 7, Then therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said unto Peter, Hits the Lord. It clicks at that moment with him. 
And I want to take you back to something that happened earlier, okay? Because I think this is pretty important. So go to Luke chapter 5, if you would, just real quick. This event here in John is at the end of Jesus' ministry. He's already died. He's already risen again from the grave. He's about to ascend back to the Father. There is something happens in the beginning of Jesus' ministry that this is almost an exact replay of. Luke chapter 5 and verse 4. Just reading quickly. Follow along if you would. Now when he, verse 4, Luke 5, verse 4, Now when he had left speaking, this is Jesus, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought or a catch. And Simon answering, this is Peter, Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Hmm. Sound familiar? Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net broke. And they beckoned unto their partners which were in the other ships so that they could come and help them. And as they came, they filled both the ships so that it began to sink. There's so much fish, the ship is sinking. And Simon Peter saw it, verse 8, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished and all that were with him at the drought of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the son of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. Now listen. Here's what Jesus says. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. You know what the way Matthew puts it? Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. This is the call of the disciples. Verse 11, And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. And now this scene replays itself three and a half years later. Not only does it click with John at this moment, it's the Lord because of what happens. It can only be Jesus. This already happened. It's Him. It's Him, guys. But I think there's something else that rings in His mind. The phrase, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. This is how they started. This is how they started. This is what they had left for Him. And now they had gotten wrapped up in it again. You see? He calls them in this way, uses this kind of a scene to say, you guys need to follow me. They go back to it and get wrapped up into it and he comes again and says, guys, don't you remember? You ever had that moment in your job or maybe your home or your life, whatever? Something happens that can only be him. He delivers you in a way that can only be him or, or gets you through something. Whatever it is, that moment kind of wakes you up, doesn't it? And it's, it's at that point you say, what, what am I doing? How could I have gotten so far away? How could I have gotten so distracted? And that moment sometimes can bring you closer back to Him and make you more grateful. Sometimes it takes trials to do that. When we can look back and say, that was only Him. He has delivered me from that. That's the moment here. Not only for him, for Peter. You see Peter in this story. rings with him too. He's, he again shows himself casting off everything, going right back to Christ. Maybe there, that moment needs to come for us. I'm not saying we need to quit our jobs or anything like that. No. But there needs to come a realization that there aren't two separate parts of my life. 
Jesus is Lord of all of it. He is providing and watching over all of my life, not just the church part. And I need to serve Him in it, not keep Him out or keep Him silent. Last thing this morning I'd like you to consider and that they needed to be reminded of, not only that He is watching, not only He provides, but He's calling us to Him. Look in verse 9, back in John chapter 21, verse 9. As soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, fish laid on it, and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. So they bring it up in verse 11. Verse 12, Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of his disciples dared ask him, Who art thou, knowing it was the Lord? Verse 13, Then Jesus cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. I don't know if you see that here, but that's what I see. Guys, just come here. Come here, sit down, and let's talk. There's no rebuke given. I think they knew their own shortcomings. But he says, just just come closer to me. The best thing that we can do in our lives is stay close to Jesus. The best thing that we can do for our relationship with Him is stay in constant communion with Him. Ever learning from Him. Ever meditating on who He is. Just getting to know Him and love Him more and more. To, To think about how much He loves us and think about how much He has done for you. How much He's done for me. And the more that we know about that, the more grateful we become and the more we want to serve Him better and the more we want to tell others. Being close to Him gives us the right perspective. Turn to Philippians chapter 3 and we'll close there this morning. I just want to um, bring to your attention some things that Paul says and then we'll close with, with that. Look how Paul puts this In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 4. Philippians 3 verse 4. Though I might have confidence in the flesh. He says I've got a lot of things to be proud of. If any other man thinketh he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin a Hebrew of the Hebrews. As touching the law of Pharisee concerning zeal persecuting the church. Touching the righteousness of which is in the law, blameless. He says, I've got it covered nationality-wise. I've got it covered society-wise. I've got it covered money-wise. Intelligence, he, he says, there's very few people that can be more proud of things than me. That's what Paul's saying. Verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Jesus, or the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained or were perfect already, but I follow after, that I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark 
for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Do you see the perspective that Paul has there? He's focused on Christ, isn't he? Everything else, he says, that takes second seat. It's all about Jesus. I want to know him more. He uses the phrase for the excellency of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the Greek, it's the surpassing worth of knowing him. He's worth more than everything else to me. That's what Paul's saying. I want to know Him. I want to know His renewing power, His renewing strength in my life. I want to attain to be faithful to what He has promised me. And do you think Paul was quiet in that? No. He told everybody he ever met about Jesus. That's what the, the Bible records him as doing. Everybody he meets, he tells them about Jesus and what Jesus can do for them. In every situation, in every place, Paul is speaking Christ. And beloved, what I'm saying this morning is so should we. So should we. We might not be called to the same life as Paul and go through the same struggles, but you have a job to go to tomorrow with people that need to see and to hear Christ in you. And you know Him. And you know His love and His provision and His power. You know the life-changing gospel. So let's share it and let's live it. Let me just close with this illustration that might be helpful. You love your spouse, right? You enjoy and savor the time that you're with them. When you leave for work, you don't forget about them, do you? You don't act like they don't exist anymore. No. In fact, at your job or in those situations, you talk about them, don't you? You talk about them. You talk about them enough to the point where people actually probably know your spouse's name and they know some of your characteristics, some of the characteristics of your spouse, what they may like or what they may not by the things that you've told them, right? You talk about what you did together over the weekend or what you've done together so that people know that. Well, why not about Jesus? Why not about Jesus? You talk to your spouse throughout the day, don't you? Maybe it's a text, maybe it's a phone call. You stay in touch, you talk about plans, what's going on. Maybe even if you're having a hard time at work, you give them a call, say, hey, this is what's going on. It may be a short conversation, it might be a long conversation, but you still stay in touch throughout the day. Well, why not Jesus? You're always thinking about your spouse. You make decisions in your life based on their likes and their desires and what will be best for the both of you, right? What will benefit them? Well, why not Jesus? After all, He is your risen Savior. He is the one who died for you, has given you everything. He is alive. He is interceding for us, watching over us, providing for us, calling us close to Him. Ought we to serve Him in every day of our lives? See, the message of His victory over sin and death is not just for one day, it's for every day. A victory that He gives us in the everyday of life. A message you know and a message you should share just as I do. And sometimes I fall so short and I need His help and I need His grace. So how about this? Tomorrow, 
Start your day with Him. First thing when you get up, start your day with Him in prayer and reading. And then throughout the day, stay close to Him. Don't get lost in fishing. Stay close to Him. And when people ask you about your weekend, don't say things like, that ah, was too short, or it was grace, or great, excuse me. Tell them what we did here. Tell them what we did Saturday. Tell them. And say, you know what? This coming weekend, I'd love to have you with us. And if the opportunity presents itself, tell them the gospel. Tell them that Jesus loves them and died to save them. If they would trust Him by faith. Tell them why all of this matters for them too. God, give us the grace to do so. Let's bow our heads. Father, I ask Your blessing on this message now. I ask that You give us strength as we go into our lives and the things that we face and the, the paths that we each individually walk, that You would help us to be faithful in that. Draw us close to You. Help us to not get distracted, drawn away, but that we would stay close to You. And thank You for all that You've done. I ask now that even as we come to a time of invitation, that if there's needs, if there's strength needed or guidance needed, or even if one does not know you as Savior, that you would draw each one by your Spirit as there is need, that you would do the work that only you can do. I thank you again for all that you've done. Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen.